Things like marriage and human sexuality and gender and our focus today, the sanctity of human life, those are God's truth issues. And not only should we talk about them, we are compelled to talk about them. We are compelled to lift them up and celebrate them as these wonderful gifts from God. Share the positive aspects of these things. And when they're mocked and when they're maligned, we are compelled to speak in love and defend them. You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen and ascended and glorified Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be back with you again. I didn't realize it had been five times till I read the little thing in the bulletin there, so it's great to be back. My wife and I, Roxanne, came from Iowa, and uh, we had to actually wait on the tarmac as they plowed snow so we could take off. So this sunshine and no snow is really good. Thank you. The Word of God that speaks to us this morning is, as Pastor said, our Old Testament reading. Please allow me to put before us once again these words. On the Day of Atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout your land, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you will return to his property, and each of you to his clan. That is God's word. Have you ever fantasized about winning the lottery or getting that inheritance from good old Uncle Ralph and being able to pay off all your debts? Well, God's people in the Old Testament, they didn't have to fantasize. They had the greatest debt forgiveness program ever. It was the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years. Your debts were forgiven. If you had sold property to pay off debts, you got it back. If you had sold yourself or family members into slavery, they were set free. It all started on the Day of Atonement, which happened once a year. On that day, the high priest would lay his hands on a goat and confess the sins of Israel. And then that goat would be sent off into the wilderness, that proverbial scapegoat that you hear about. And then there was another goat, and that goat was sacrificed, and its blood was spread in the Holy of Holies on the mercy seat, and that blood was shed for atoning for the sins of the people. That happened once a year, but every 50 years, The grand finale of the Day of Atonement was extended and the trumpet was sounded. It was the ram's horn, the shofar. It sounded like this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy and celebration throughout the land after that trumpet blast for the whole year, the year of Jubilee, their debts forgiven, slaves free? 
Actually, you don't have to imagine it because you can experience it each and every day. Because our debts have been forgiven. The debt of sin. We've been freed from slavery to sin. The Bible's pretty clear. We owe a great debt because of our sin. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. We owe God eternal suffering and death. And the Bible is also very clear that we are slaves to this sin. And I'm guessing most of you know exactly what that means. We have what I call recurring sins. When we come here, those sins are on our minds. We confess them to God. We receive absolution and we say, thank you, Lord. I'm never going to do this again. And then what? We do it again. I see smiles, heads nodding. Yes. We're slaves to sin. And if you think about it, and if you're honest, the reason we keep doing those sins is we, because we actually like doing them. We're slaves. We owe a great debt because of our sins. We're slaves to that sin. And the final nail in our coffin is that we can do nothing about it. Now I get to say one of my favorite sermonic and Bible words. But. We can't do anything about our sins. But. God did. We have a day of atonement too. Not once every year, but once about 2,000 years ago. On a Friday, on a hill outside of Jerusalem. There God took our sins and placed them on a scapegoat named Jesus and he was abandoned to the wilderness of the cross and there suffered the forsakenness and the wrath of God and paid those wages, fulfilled our debt in our place. And then as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, his blood was shed to cleanse us from our sins. And we can turn to that in faith every single day, confess our sins, receive liberty, and rejoice every day a jubilee. And not only do we have it, we get to walk in it. <laughs> Scripture says when we're baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus, we're baptized into the resurrection of Jesus. That gives us not only the assurance of eternal life, but we get to walk in newness of life right now, Paul says. We get to walk in liberty that has been proclaimed and given to us. And living in liberty is a wonderful way to live because it comes with some assurances. Because we are forgiven in Christ, we have the assurance that God loves us. Because we may not always feel like God loves us. We may not always think that God's love is at work in our lives, but we can be assured that it is because God didn't demonstrate his love for us by making everything go well all the time. The Bible says he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. You are loved. That's a fact of your liberty.
Living in liberty means we know for sure that God is at work in all things going on in our lives. He's at work in those bad things. We don't always see that. We don't always feel that. We often question that. But we know He is at work in our suffering because He was at work in the greatest suffering ever, Jesus, that Lamb of God, on the cross. And from that greatest suffering ever has come the greatest good ever, forgiveness and eternal life. Living in liberty is a wonderful way to live. It also assures us of our value that we have to God because our value as human beings doesn't come from what we are able to do or not do. It comes from what God has done and continues to do. The scripture says that he's the one who created us, knit us together in our mother's womb. You could have a tag on the back of your neck like we see on our clothing and your tag would say, handmade by God. What value. And then when we got lost in sin, he sent his son Jesus, who in a womb took on human flesh, took on hands and feet so they could be nailed to a cross to buy us back, to to redeem us. And then God calls us in the waters of holy baptism and makes us his children. God does all of that. He created you. He redeemed you. He's called you. That's where your value is. That's where the value of every human life is. And nothing else matters doesn't matter if you're a tiny embryo in a fallopian tube or frozen in a fertility clinic somewhere. doesn't matter whether you're up and around and can speak or you need help walking. It doesn't matter if you're grandma in a nursing home bed someplace who doesn't know us anymore. Your value never, ever diminishes because it comes from God. Living in liberty assures us of great things. Living in liberty means... We have the assurance of eternal life. Roxanne and I were at a funeral last week, and the little bulletin, you know, at the mortuary, used kind of a standard bulletin they print and always has like the officiant and maybe the hymns and the pallbearers. And at the bottom, I've seen this many times, it says, Final resting place, St. John's Cemetery. Dear friends, don't you ever believe that for a moment? That's a lie. <laughs> The grave is a resting place for believers, but there is nothing final about it. And when Jesus returns, we will be raised from the dead and enjoy a a liberty, a jubilee that will last forever. Living in liberty is a great way to live. We have all of those assurances. Now, this is a Transfiguration Sunday, the last Sunday of Epiphany. Epiphany, that great season of making known, proclaiming throughout the land. We should be sounding a trumpet. We have the greatest message in the world to share this wonderful news of the liberty we have and the assurances it gives to us each and every day. Now, that'd be a good place to say amen. And you'd, you'd all look at your watches and say, That's not so bad, but maybe we'll have him back for a sixth time. (laughs) And I know uh, Ted Pearson, my host over here, he was a little disappointed in early service because I didn't stop there because he has to listen to this two more times here. (laughs) 
Now we need to go on because there's another jubilee that we need to talk about. January 22nd, 2023 was the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. And on June 24th, 2022, that decision was overturned. Now I'm going to pause here because if I haven't had your attention or if you've been wandering, I know I have your attention now because I've just pressed the proverbial hot button. And I'm well aware there are different reactions to that going on out there. When Roe was overturned, there are all kinds of reactions throughout the land, celebrations, protests, and those reactions and those divisions have trickled down into our pews. So I understand that. There are folks out there who, who are glad. We had one gal in the early service who applauded. There are others out there who might be thinking of leaving. Please don't. Because you don't think we should be talking about political issues in church. It bothers you. And there might be still others out there who are burdened because of a regretful decision to end the life of your child in the past. And it hurts to have it talked about in church. Please stay tuned, by the way, of some really good news for you. So I know those divisions are out there. The elephant is in the room. And we're going to talk about the elephant. And we're not going to talk about the elephant based on my opinion or my political views. We're going to talk about the elephant based on God's truth. A truth, as we heard in our epistle reading today, that was made more certain because of uh, all the prophecies fulfilled in Jesus Christ. A truth that is not a matter of one's own interpretation or one's own opinion. A truth that was given to us by God through the power of His Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that truth. Now, one of the reasons that it's uncomfortable to talk about these things is because the church, for the most part, hasn't talked about these things for so many years. The culture that we live in has influenced the church more than the church influencing the culture. And that's why there are many folks some here that think that these are political issues. So what I want to do, I want to speak this truth to you. I want to speak it in love. But I want to make a distinction between political issues and what I call God's truth issues. There are all kinds of political issues, right? I mean, debate about taxes or environmental controls or funding education. In Iowa, it seems like we're always talking about hog lot waste disposal legislation. And we can all have differing views on those kinds of things. We can have differing opinions. And pastors have no business standing in the pulpit and sharing their opinion on those kinds of things. I was, I've been a pastor in Iowa for 40 years. I never once preached on hog lot waste. Some of my sermons may have stunk, But, but that wasn't the reason. 
But things like marriage and human sexuality and gender and our focus today, the sanctity of human life, those are God's truth issues. And not only should we talk about them, we are compelled to talk about them. We are compelled to lift them up and celebrate them as these wonderful gifts from God. Share the positive aspects of these things. And when they're mocked and when they're maligned, we are compelled to speak in love and defend them and defend them. So where do we start when it comes to the sanctity of human life? Let's not look at it today through the lens of some political party platform. Let's look at it through the lens of God's truth. And when we shine the lens of God's truth on that baby not yet born in the womb, what do we learn? Well, Scripture tells us that that's a human being. David writes in Psalm 51, he's bemoaning his sin with Bathsheba. And he says he's a sinful guy. It's worse than that. He was sinful from the time he, he was born. It's worse than that, he says. He was sinful from the time his mother conceived him. Now, sinfulness is a human condition. So if we are sinful from that moment, we are necessarily human from that moment. Remember John the Baptist? He's six months old in the womb of Elizabeth. Mary comes to visit her right after the conception of Jesus. Jesus is a little dot in Mary's, probably still in her fallopian tube. And John, we read, leaps for joy in the presence of his Savior in Elizabeth's womb. He leaps for joy. That's a human emotion. And we could just keep going on and on. The Bible talks about the fact that he knows us before we were even conceived in the womb as human beings and human persons. And science, science backs that up, affirms that. Uh, there are em embryology textbooks used in medical schools. Got a whole list of quotes from them. Here's one of them. At the moment of syngamy, that's when the gametes, egg and sperm, uh, come together, the genetic stuff. At the moment of syngamy, a new and unique human being has come into an existence. So scripture and science tell us that that thing in the womb is a human being. And now we can apply what we just learned about the value of life, right? It's not just a human being. It's a human being created by the hands of God. It's a human being for which he stretched out his hands on a cross and redeemed. It's a human being that he wants to splash in those waters of holy baptism and make him his child and establish an eternal relationship with him. That's a human being with value, God-given value. And it doesn't matter how old that child in the womb is. It doesn't matter whether that child has some abnormalities or maladies. It doesn't matter the circumstances of that child's conception. It doesn't matter whether that child is wanted or not. It has value because God gives it value. That's why life is precious to us, dear friends. It's because it's precious to God. But now we also want to shine that light of God's truth on those women, those moms struggling in a crisis pregnancy situation, and dads too, 
if they're involved. Because they too are created and redeemed and called children of God. And they need us not to judge them, but to love them with an unconditional love and walk beside them. After the overturn of Roe, towards the end of this past year, Planned Parenthood released a study that 10,000 babies were not aborted. And we're predicting, many folks are, that there'll be 60,000 lives saved in this year alone. And to me, that's worth a jubilee right there. But it also means, in many areas of the country, there are many women, as Planned Parenthood said in this study, these are 10,000 women who felt they had no place to turn. And I understand that. We see them as 10,000 women and 10,000 babies who need the love of Jesus, and they can come to us for that. And we can go to them with that. And so it's a wonderful time with wonderful opportunities to support pregnancy resource centers, to raise up the, the beauty uh, and the gift of adoption that we heard from Pat uh, today. Because here in California, abortions are going to continue, probably more because you're opening your borders to others to come in. So we need to keep praying about that, but taking action to let those moms and dads know that we're there for them and that they value to us. And then finally, which is a great word in a sermon, isn't it? (laughs) Finally, I promise to have a word for those of you who may have that regretful decision in your past. And it is only a word. Welcome. Welcome here with all the rest of us sinners with all the rest of us who have made stupid and regretful decisions in our past. Welcome to the foot of the cross. Welcome to the liberty that's been proclaimed for you as well. And it doesn't matter if you can't forgive yourself. That happens to all of us sometimes. It doesn't matter whether you don't feel forgiven. We don't always feel that. It doesn't matter. Forgiveness is an objective reality and the liberty that it brings, and the assurances that it brings, they're yours too. So, the last Sunday of Epiphany, Transfiguration, a great time to make known Jesus as the Son of God as He was shining there on that mountain. A great time to proclaim liberty throughout the land. A great time, not just to proclaim the love of Jesus, but to be the love of Jesus and wrap the church around others. And maybe especially today, thinking about those moms in crisis and the babies they carry. So let's sound the trumpet. And proclaim liberty throughout the land. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord and enable you to walk and live in liberty.
Amen. Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562-210-0463. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week. Dear Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.